Welcome to the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wooland. This podcast is for frustrated men and women who think they've tried everything to lose body fat and aren't willing to give up on their fitness goals. I'm going to give you clear, actionable steps to cut through all the bullshit in the industry, focus on what actually works, and dominate every aspect of your life. Now let's get into today's episode. Today's episode of the podcast is another live Q&A from my free Facebook group, Tom the Trainer's Tribe. These are held every single Wednesday, and then I take them and I upload them to the podcast afterwards. If you've got questions surrounding your fitness goals, check the description of this episode, and the link to join Tom the Trainer's Tribe will be in there. This was a really, really fun one. Somebody asked a really cool question as it was leading up to the holidays about the best training program for somebody who has a big job to do on the evening of December 24th. So we had a little bit of fun with it. The vibe in the tribe is really, really awesome. Come join, come hang out, get your questions answered. Um, And then also, I just wanted to put it out there as well. I tried a couple of different settings on the microphone during this episode, and I talked about it in the beginning of the episode. If you want to be successful at anything in life, take action, try it. Don't worry about perfection. Worry about effort. Worry about taking action. Do stuff to accomplish things. And that's the only way you'll move forward in life. So enjoy the episode. And uh, yeah, take care. Sorry, I'm tongue-tied a little bit just because I thought this was cool that I put it on Instagram as well, which I didn't know I could do until today. But anyways, um, if, you're, if you're catching this in the podcast, that means you're catching it after the fact. And if you want to be able to watch these lives or get your own questions answered, then again, join Palm the Trainer's Tribe. I'd love to help you. I'd love to answer your questions. Uh, and let's literally just get right into this. Let's see exactly what people want to learn about this week. Um, so first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start out in Tom, the trainer's tribe for the questions that are in Tom, the trainer's tribe. And then I did post this on my personal Facebook page as well to get some, um, questions answered for people there. So again, if you're watching it anywhere, but in Tom, the trainer's tribe, make sure you join. Cause I am going to actually be removing the, uh, live stream in some of the places aside from Tom, the trainer's tribe. So the only way you can listen to the whole training is if you're either listening to my podcast, Tom, the trainer fitness, or you're in Tom, the trainer's tribe. Um, if you are on Instagram, the link to Tom, the trainer's tribe is actually in my bio. So you can check it out there. Okay. So let's absolutely get into this. Everybody who's stoked, who's stoked to be here. Just say stoked. All right, let's rock and roll. So I was a couple of minutes late starting on this. I was three minutes late just because I had the Instagram thing and I had to do something different with Instagram that I haven't done in the past. Sometimes it's really, really, honestly, first first bit of coaching in Tom the Trainer's Q&A from Tom the Trainer's Tribe today is literally take messy action. Literally, like sometimes you don't know what you're doing. Just go for it. Like just do it. Figure it out as you go. That's what I did today. Figured it out. And we're live on Instagram, right? The only way that you will like get good at something is if you try, right? So don't worry about perfection. Worry about progress. Worry about effort, right? So first question. Okay, so this is super, super cool. First question that I'm going to look at is from Zeus. 
And Zeus's question is about deep stretch partials. Your thoughts on the latest studies pertaining to this method of building muscle. Zeus, awesome question, man. Literally episode number, I literally just put it, I just put it up this week. I just did a review on the research on deep stretch loaded partials. And you are going to be looking at episode number 22, I think it is. Let me just double check it here for you. Uh, yeah, episode number 22 on the podcast, half reps for more muscle. So my understanding of the research is a really quick summary, but the previous podcast goes into absolute depth on this. It's worth the listen. Trust me, it's worth the listen. My um, My belief on deep stretch partials is that they're good for certain exercises that bias a stretch, that bias length. Okay, so like a skull crusher or a chest fly, um, you know, or maybe even something like um, a Romanian deadlift or a seated hamstring curl. Good for deep stretch partials because that exercise already biases that lengthened position of the muscular of the muscle contraction. Right. So that to me makes sense. But. You're vulnerable there. You're vulnerable. Your muscles are weak. You got to worry about your tendons. You got to worry about other things like that. So you should look at your risk of injury on exercises, especially tendonitis, tendinopathy, style of injuries, and determine whether the exercise is appropriate or not to do a deep stretch partial on. Also, I believe deep stretch partials are a phenomenal way to extend your working sets on an exercise. Okay. So like if you're doing like a, so if you're doing a bicep curl, for example, then like maybe you're doing standing bicep curls and you're doing just a conventional standing bicep curl. And then you get to the end of that set, you get to 12 reps, let's say, and you get all the way and you struggle all the way up to the top. You're like, there is no chance in hell I'm getting another repetition. Drop down into the bottom, bias a fully lengthened position of the bicep, which means you squeeze your shoulder blades together and you drive your chest up high in the air. And then work these little partials to extend the set, almost like a drop set, but your drop in difficulty, your decrease in difficulty is now through range of motion or distance that the weight travels rather than lowering your weight. That's the best way that I think to use deep stretch partials as opposed to, you know, like literally training partials all the time. Um, but listen to that other episode because that's a very brief summary of a way that I think you should leverage deep stretch partials. But that's like I literally did a 25-minute training in episode number 22, specifically on deep stretch partials. So check it out because it's in-depth. Um, it talks about the research studies. It talks about the differences in specific exercise collections with deep stretch partials and the results. Uh, it also talks about your risk of injury. It talks about posture. It talks about muscle imbalances. It talks about fully developing muscles. It's a really in-depth training. Check it out. But in a brief summary, I don't believe you should use only deep stretch partials in your training. 
I think they're a cool tool that you can leverage. I think if you only use them, you're going to create muscular imbalances. You're going to not have full muscular development. You're going to wear your joints out. Um, and that it's a net negative to do as only your only method of training, but everything has a time and place. So you can use them appropriately based upon what I just said of extending sets, but there's other ways to consider deep stretch partials. And I'm going to make you listen to episode number 22, right? Cause it's worth it. It's worth it. Cool. So is that really helpful to everybody that's listening? Ah, we got lots of people on here. Let's do this. All right. So that's super, super helpful, everybody. Comment helpful in the chat. All right. So next up, Dave is asking, um, you know, someone who has a big job to do, he has to be strong enough to lift a lot of weight has to lift a very heavy bag, but be agile enough to climb down chimneys and tiptoe around this is awesome. <laughs> He's also got to be really fast. What workout would you recommend? Dave, you are awesome, dude. Am I the only one literally just like dying right now? Just say dying in the chat if you just heard that. Let me say it again. I've got a friend who has quite a big job to do. He has to be strong enough to lift a very heavy bag, but agile enough to climb down chimneys and tiptoe around. He's also got to be really fast. What workout would you recommend? Oh my God. Okay. Uh, so your friend, we'll call your friend Nick, right? It's December 20th. Let's call your friend Nick. I think Nick should probably look at the fast ballast frequency method to be honest with you um because i mean like you know he's got to fit down the chimney right um and the fast ballast frequency method is going to strip body fat off him also um i've got a client for example who i've got a, a couple of clients who play hockey and they literally have just raved about how great they've become at hockey after running the fast fat loss frequency method because it uses a lot of like compound functional movements. Okay. Um, and it's just like, it's, it's the flagship program. It's the best program around. Right. And like, honest, honestly too, like if San, if sorry, um, Nick, if Nick, excuse me, if Nick is um, anything like me, for example, it's probably become a little bit more relaxed around the holidays and I have a hunch that uh, Nick digs his treats when he's working. I've, I've heard, I've heard about this Nick guy. I think he digs his treats while he's working. So it would be a good idea for him to kind of like lose a little bit of body fat before like it's go time. You know what I mean? Before it's show time. Uh, so that like, you know, he doesn't do excessive damage uh, on show night, if that makes sense. Um, also, uh, Jared is mentioning that the fast ballast frequency method has helped him a ton in soccer as well. So if you want to be agile, you want to be quick on your feet, you want to be strong, you want to be all the things that Nick needs to be on 
Nicholas's big night. The fast balance frequency method all the way, all the way. And I absolutely love that question. Okay. All right. Um, so <laughs> I'm still dying. I'm sorry. Brian is asking, uh, I just started taking BCAs and I'm taking them early in the morning. When is the best time to take them? <clears throat> um, and then, you know, to, to add more clarity, more clarity he asked like when is the most op optimal time to take bcaas is it before or after a workout um i kind of like i honestly feel bad giving you my honest opinion on bcaas um i don't think that they're overly useful to be honest with you um i think that there uh is some outdated outdated research that shows that they have some use and purpose. However, I do believe that that research is outdated. I personally believe that they provide value. The only thing that I personally think that they provide value in based on some of the information that I've heard, is I've heard of a study where a guy fasted he fasted and he did two different fasts over a period of time. And um, over the one period of time, uh, he supposedly, because I don't know how things were tested, but he supposedly lost uh, a decent amount of lean tissue on his fast. So his body ate muscle tissue on his fast. And then sometime later, he did another fast. And he was using branched chain amino acids throughout the day. And his loss of lean tissue was negligent. Okay. So I personally feel as though BCAAs have value in their use if you're lacking in your nutrition. But if you're lacking in your nutrition, then like honestly, you should look at BCAAs, you should probably look at your nutrition. Okay. So like, there's a very popular meme out there, like back when infographics were like a massive thing, my page back in the day blew up on infographics is a guy who's, um, he's, he's a swimmer and he's in a pool and he's pouring branch chain amino acids or he's pouring water, pardon me, over his head. And the, and the, and the meme is like, you know, um, your buddy who goes to the gym and eats six meals of protein per day using BCA. Like he's in a pool of water, pouring water over his head. Right. Um, so unfortunately I don't personally believe in branch chain amino acids at all. I don't recommend them at all. And the only use of which that I think that they could hold some value would be in fasting environments, but I don't recommend fasting either to people, right? Like I use the luxury lifestyle allowance for nutrition, which is where we cycle calories and we have an allotment of calories six days per week, which is like a lower allotment of calories than on your seventh day. And on your seventh day, you get that weekly reward, weekly cheat meal. Um, because I personally believe and I mean, you know, studies out there show that like, you know, um, depriving yourself of food and nutrition will slow down your metabolism. 
So I just, I don't believe in fasting. Whereas I think that's the only best way of which I could use branch chain amino acids. Now, having said that, I know that you've purchased them and I know that you have them. The only other thing where like, and I'm kind of reaching here a little bit would be like, maybe if you use them as an intra workout, like if I had them, I think I do have some that I haven't used in years, but if I were to use them at all, I would use them in an intra workout environment to try to limit the amount, the amount of muscular damage. But, um, I personally, it's like, how do I put this? It's like, if you're trying to limit muscular damage and trying to recover best from your workouts, there's better solutions than branch chain amino acids. So like essential amino acids, bam, those are bang on. Those are great. Why? Because they have all of the amino acids present to build muscle. Branch chain amino acids don't have all of them. Okay. They only have some. So essential amino acids have all of the essential amino acids to build muscle. Therefore, I would leverage them intra-workout before I would leverage branched-chain amino acids. But you already have the branched-chain amino acids. So that's why I'm like, well, maybe try to use it then. If that makes sense. Um, the other thing I can do here, everybody on Instagram, if you're watching this on Instagram... Check out Tom the Trainer's Tribe out the link in my bio because the rest of this training is going to be held there okay peace out instagram thanks for joining okay so um the best thing to use intra-workout buddy is going to be essential amino acids and a high branch chain cyclic dextrin so a easily digestible carb source, that's the best thing to leverage intra-workout to reduce muscle soreness and improve recovery, especially in a time where you're in a significant caloric deficit because you're timing your nutrition around your workouts. If you were to use, I would say use up your branch chain amino acids and then, you know, get essential amino acids moving forward. Um that would be my best recommendation. I feel like I'm being like the bearer of bad news. You know what I mean? It's like you got branch chain amino acids. You're, you know, you're probably like, yeah, sweet. These are going to be super helpful. And the, and the guy at the supplement store is probably like, oh yeah, man, these are going to help. But, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to say too much because I don't know, like, you know, I don't know, maybe the guy at the supplement stores your buddy or something. I don't know. But I would just say, like, I think they're not something that I personally leverage. And there is research out there that shows that there is value. However, the research out there that shows they have value is extremely outdated. Uh, and there's a lot of research proving that they're not valuable. Um, so if you're fasting, use them during your fasting window maybe or use them in your workout window and then move to essential amino acids after okay sorry to be the bearer bad news bro angie's asking i can't get to the gym over the holidays 
What is the proper way to maintain weight and muscle with the gym being unavailable? Should your calories and macros be lowered? Okay. So, um, Angie, it's a phenomenal question. Um, what I would say is like when it comes to muscle wasting per se, research indicates that it usually takes about like six weeks of a lack of stimulus for muscle tissue to like regress per se. And if you're just, if you're just looking at over the holidays of not going to the gym, you're probably not going to like, you're not going to lose muscle over a few days. Right. Um, I would limit my time off from the gym personally, um, as far and like do the best that you can. So like for me personally, like if I can't get to the gym four days per week, I'm going to try to get to the gym three or two days per week over the holiday season. Right. And then maybe if I was going to the gym over the holiday season and I could squeak in a couple of workouts per week, you know, shameless plug, the fast phallus frequency method, I would use full body workouts. So even if you're only training two days per week, you're still providing a training stimulus to every muscle twice that week, right? And you're not like smashing a muscle group and then neglecting another muscle group, right? So full body workouts, I would say under those circumstances, try to limit your time away from the gym. Um, and e even if like, even if it's twice a week, still get in there. Um, when it comes to your calories, it really depends on how your nutrition is set up. Like for me personally, how I personally eat and what I do with some clients these days is I have higher calories on your workout days and lower calories on your non-workout days. So if you were set up with a formula like that, then you would just follow your non-workout calorie, your non-workout days for your nutrition. Um, it's a really, it's like, it's not a black and white answer, right? But here's some things to consider is like, you know, maybe if you have, let's assume that you got yourself, your nutrition is really sorted out. And let's assume that because your nutrition is sorted out, you're prioritizing carbohydrates and protein around your workout. Okay. Well, maybe you could pull that meal per se, maybe, right? Um, and the other thing to consider is like, you know, are you having extra meals throughout the holiday season that you obviously maybe wouldn't be having not during the holiday season? And then if that's the case, you know, is it an intelligent play to pull a meal every day and try to make up for it or pull a meal on the days when you're having those social outings? So that when you do have a social outing and you still make good decisions, you wind up not doing too much damage in a sense of too much overage of calories on that day. And then the other thing to consider is just like, you know, try to limit um, how often you're getting away from your diet, right? The other thing to consider is like, what are your goals? What are your goals over that period of time? My goals over the next like little bit until New Year's is to literally just like hover in and around 190-ish pounds. So for me personally, like 
I wouldn't pull any calories from my diet because I dieted down to 183 and a half pounds and I want to hover in and around 190 pounds. So I'm only like six or so pounds away from my photo shoot weight. Right. And then when I do get back on track after the new year and I just eat more strictly on my diet, I know I'll get back to my photo shoot kind of condition very quickly but I was already in a position where like I was in a calorie deficit for a period of time leading up to that. So I was in a calorie deficit for a period of time leading up to that. Now what I've done is I've not changed my nutrition. And if I wasn't eating other things at the end of my evenings that weren't, that aren't normally on my diet, I would still be in a calorie deficit, but because I'm eating those things, I'm probably at maintenance now. But that's okay because my goal is maintenance over the next 11 days, right? So it's really, really dependent on what your goal is. It's dependent on where's your diet right now. What was your, like, what was your diet leading up to this time? Were you in a calorie deficit? What's your goal? If you want to continue to lose weight, then I would probably, if you want to continue to lose weight, I would burn the boats and do whatever the hell it took to get to the um, Jim, as often as you possibly can and continue down the path you were heading before this season because your goal is important to you and you want to accomplish it. If your goal changes over this period of time, then your behaviors change a little bit over this period of time, right? Does that make sense? And is that helpful for everybody? Like, it's definitely a question where like, if I were coaching an individual, like there would be these back and forth questions. Like if you and I were on a coaching call, for example, as a one-to-one client, right? I would be asking these questions like, what are your goals? Okay. I would know where your diet was at in advance, right? And I would know how to advise specifically for you as an individual based on your goals, your existing condition and your existing diet, your existing workouts and all those things. So, you know, I don't want to beat, there's a saying, beat the dead horse. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I will say that again, it comes down to what were you doing before? Were you in a calorie deficit or not? What are your goals over this period of time? Right. And then that dictates all your decisions, especially the goals, right? Every decision that you make in life, in fitness and everything, every decision that you make should be surrounded should be determined by the goal of which you want from making that decision, right? Does that make sense? It's like, um, if I want to have a, I'm going to throw a random thing out there. If I want to have like an, I want to have a really good evening, um, at home with, uh, Maddox and Alyssa when I get home and, uh, on my way home, for example, um, maybe, the garbage bins and the recycling are still on the sidewalk. Well, I want to have a good evening. So am I going to go in and be like, how come you guys didn't pick up the garbage bins and the recycling? Well, that's going to start the evening off on a negative approach. My goal for that evening is to have a good evening. So I'm just going to pick up the garbage and the recycling. You know what I mean? I know that's like on a total different thing, right? But it's just also every decision you make is dependent on the goal and the outcome you want, right? Um, When I go to the gas tank, when I go to gas up, and I've got my Mustang. I'm like, I want to drive the snot out of my Mustang today. Well, when I pull up to the gas station, I'm like, I can put high test gas in it or I can put low grade gas in it. 
but I want to drive the snot out of my Mustang and I want it to go fast on the track, right? So I'm going to put high grade in it because of the goal that I have for that day, if that makes sense, right? Like it literally applies to everything that we do in our life. What's the goal? And the goal dictates your decisions. Just for the record, like it's not like I come home to garbage and recycling out on the, it was just a, it was just an example. <laughs> so, um, next question is Laura had surgery in 2010 gastric bypass, been able to keep the weight off until about two months ago, lost 80 pounds, kept it off, was a size six for years, now a size 10. And starting to gain weight, afraid that she's going to get back to where she was previously. Um, have arthritis in my back and hips. Not eating very much. Moved back to Alaska. So uh, exercising is not an option for eight to nine months. So... I guess if you can hear me clicking in the background, I'm just kind of having a look at some things in the background to give Laura the best advice that I can possibly give. I guess um, my, you know, like initial question, I guess would be, well, why can't we exercise for that eight or nine month period? If we can't exercise over that eight or nine month period, is it because there's no gyms available um, and you're in a remote location, so you don't have the opportunity to get to a gym to do exercise. Um, because what I would say to that then is, is like, you can do a lot at home with very minimal equipment. I've got a couple of clients on, on, on the Q and a, uh, existing client and previous client who ran metabolic muscle madness. And the, they, they can attest that you can literally, get fit in a four square, a four foot square space. If you get the right equipment to run an intelligently designed program, so you don't need a lot of space, you don't need access to the gym. Um, or is it because you feel as though the arthritis in your back and your hips is um, the issue because sorry to clarify it says exercising outside is not an option for eight to nine months so i would i would i would leverage in at home workouts with a with a program like metabolic muscle madness that's intelligently designed where you don't need a lot of space and you don't need a lot of equipment and you can get in shape um And, you know, if you have arthritis in your back and your hips, um, episode number, uh, it's called How Tom Deals with Injuries. I don't know the episode number off the top of my head, but there is a, but there, there is a, an episode in the podcast, How to Deal with Injuries, how, number 13, episode number 13, How I Deal with Injuries in My Training. And that was literally like directly, that's a replay directly from a presentation I did for my coaching clients. Okay. One of my coaching clients within that presentation actually had some arthritis and some issues in her hips as well. 
So when it comes to exercising with injuries, there's times where you work through an injury, you work around an injury, or you completely take time off from training. Um, and then you have to determine a lot of the times if you are going to work through or around the injury, a really powerful play is, you know, what am I capable of and how do I progress my training from there? So maybe because I have arthritis in my hips, for example, I can't get down into the bottom of a squat because I, I just can't do that. I don't have the mobility for it because of the arthritis. Well, can I do box squats where I sit down on a bench and stand up? at a less range of motion than full range of motion squat. Okay, great. That's still an exercise that I can do to help myself get in, to help myself be in, get in or stay in shape. Right. The other thing that I would say, Laura, as well is like not eating that much. Um, it's, it, it's hard to say. Cause like not eating that much could be translated as, you know, not eating a large quantity of food. However, maybe the, 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 the food that you're choosing is like calorically dense. So maybe, you know, for example, it doesn't feel like you're eating a lot of food, but the calories are high, right? So say for example, two pounds of chicken wings isn't a lot of food to eat over the course of a day, but it's 2000 calories. Well, if you're a 150 pound female, just two pounds of chicken wings, which isn't a lot of food, is enough calories to probably have you gain weight, right? So I suggest eating whole nutritious foods to my clients, foods that are like of high quality with um, vitamins and minerals so that they feel well. And you can avoid craving when you're eating high quality foods. Because I believe that like you are craving things sometimes, even though you're in a caloric surplus, I believe you're craving things sometimes because maybe like you're deficient in vitamin A or you're deficient in magnesium or zinc or selenium or, you know, iron or whatever it is. So you have these cravings because your body is telling you that it needs something and your nutrition is not giving you what it needs, but all your body is saying like, Hey, I need that. And the only way it knows to signal you, to improve that deficiency is to eat because it should be present in your food sources. So that's why I select like high quality, nutritious food selections that are easily digestible, um, that are high in vitamins and minerals and give your body everything your body needs to limit hunger. So for example, two pounds of chicken wings is 2000 calories. I'm eating around 2000 calories per day right now. And I eat that over six meals, right? So not eating all that much. Is it that you're not eating all that many calories or not eating all that much as a volume of food as a whole? Does that make sense so far, everybody? Like, um, so I think like the best thing to do to keep the weight off is to look at your calorie intake rather than volume of food. And you may already be doing that, but keep in mind, this is a Q and a where I'm just reading a question and don't have all the context that I would have. If I were like coaching an individual, look at your caloric intake and try to keep your calories lower, right? 
I, I don't know how much you weigh, but uh, an easy way to assign your calories would be your body weight times 10. That would allow for you to have a cheat meal on weekends. That's what I do with the luxury lifestyle allowance with clients, body weight times 10. And that allows for a weekly cheat meal as well. There's some nuances with that too. Like it depends on like how much body fat do you have? Are you male or female? Are you all these examples? But that's a, that's a good standard that you can look at. So find ways to exercise indoors regularly and often. Solutions for that is like a good program that doesn't take a lot of equipment like metabolic muscle madness. doesn't take a lot of space. I developed that program at the height of the pandemic when people were working out at home and they didn't have much space. So I developed a program that would allow for that barrier. Um, and then when it comes to your arthritis and your back and your hips, it's like, what are you capable of doing? Focus on doing those things and then try to improve your capability over time on those things. Is that really helpful, everybody? Um, and just to give some like extra context. Um, that down from 408 pounds to 158 pounds and gained back by a calorie surplus instead of a deficit. Sadly, I got back under control and staying below 160. Yeah. So it sounds like you're doing pretty good in a sense of like, you're, you kind of recognize that maybe you had a caloric surplus and now you've kind of been able to maintain it by lowering calories. But I would definitely also say that like the things that I mentioned will yield a big impact for you. Right. Um, let's see what else do we got here. And I hope that all makes sense for everybody. Cause like, I think maybe by now, anybody who listens to the Q and a tribes live in the tribes or listens to the podcast, which get released like later down the road, probably uh, maybe can tell that like, I like, there's a lot of context to the decisions that we make. Right. Right. So like sometimes I feel like I can gonna go off on these tangents on questions and like people are like, whoa, this guy's going off on a tangent. But that's just how my brain works. I'm like, okay, well, what about this variable? What about that variable? What about this variable? How do we fix this solution? What's this situation? And that's how we make our decisions, right? Um, everybody, everybody down with my rambles. <laughs> so... Uh, another question I have is resting metabolic rate. Is it achieved by strength building alone? So your resting metabolic rate is actually like your resting metabolic rate can be improved by resistance training and building lean tissue, but it's not like achieved per se or dictated solely by that. Your resting metabolic rate is literally how many calories your body needs to survive at the body weight that you're at. And that's like at rest. So your resting metabolic rate would be like, if you're 200 pounds and you laid in bed all day at 200 pounds and didn't move, you're resting, you didn't move 
all day and you're 200 pounds, how many calories would you need to maintain 200 calories to maintain 200 pounds? How many calories would your body burn digesting food, pumping blood to your muscles, right? Providing oxygen to your, to, to everywhere, right? Like how much would your body need to stay alive and maintain its size at rest? So it can be improved by your lean tissue because lean tissue burns calories. Like you need more calories to maintain lean tissue than body fat. Body fat is an excess of calories and lean tissue is like body fat is an excess of calories, which means like you can burn body fat as an energy source to survive. Whereas your lean tissue burns calories to survive. You can burn body fat on your body to survive, but the lean tissue on your frame for it to survive and not disappear, it takes calories to survive. Does that make sense? The way I said it. Um, and then Sean is just asking, I work out at home and I use, um, Velcro weights on my arms and legs. These weights are 10 pounds each. Should I increase the weight? Um, it really depends. Shauna, it really, really depends. Like, um, you want to look to progress over time with whatever you're doing. And there's ways to progress in your training that are, different than just weight alone, right? So you can do reps, you can do rest intervals, you can do number of workouts per week, you can do how long you're working out for. Um, you can increase range of motion on an exercise. So like, for example, if you had 10 pounds and you did a lunge with 10 pounds, then you did a front foot elevated lunge where you have your front foot on a stepper or something that would increase the range of motion with that same 10 pounds in your hand. Um, but maybe you did a front or front foot elevated step uh, with a back leg elevated Bulgarian split squat to really increase the range of motion. Like those are ways that you can progress your training without looking at just weight alone. Right. So it just depends. Um, yeah, it just, it just, it just really flat out depends on your goal and what you're doing. And are you aiming for progression? I know that's probably not a direct answer. If you feel like, if you feel like you've looked at other methods to progress your training and you've run out of ways to progress your training through the other methods that are not increasing weight and you feel like you're stuck at a plateau and you're not making progress, then the next play would be to increase weight. Like, uh, like another play would be to increase weight. I don't want to say the next play. I don't want to like present this in a way where like, don't decrease weight until you've exhausted all your other avenues for progression. I'm presenting it this way because it's like, it sounds like the situation that you're in, you're just working with very limited supplies so you need to look at exhausting progression methods before increasing weight as an option. But say like if you were in a gym, then obviously you would look at progressing your workouts different than 
then you would have more options to progress your workout different than like if you had options to progress your workouts just with 10 pound Velcro weights, right? So I'm doing all kinds of like shameless plugs here, but if, uh, how to, how to write a program, like a world-class coach, I think is what it's called. Episode number, (laughs) episode number 11. How to build a program like an award-winning coach tells you ways of which that you can progress your training, all the different ways you can progress your training, weight included as an option, right? 30 minute, honestly, that is a wicked training. Check it out. Episode number 11 of the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast, okay? I'm just like shameless plugging the podcast like over and over again today. But it's cool because like the questions that are being asked, I'm like, oh, I've covered that topic. I've covered this topic. I've covered that topic, which tells me the topics in the podcast are useful, right? Um, I just want to see if there's any other questions anywhere else. Oh, there was one in my story. Let me go to it. There was a question. And oh, I got to look at it on my phone. The question in my story was, bear with me, everybody. How to keep discipline when you are stuck with your results. I think that's what the full question is. How to keep discipline when you are stuck with your results, but have higher expectations for yourself. And it looks like it's running out, but I think it says higher expectations of yourself and from others. So how do you keep discipline when you feel like you're stuck or at a plateau, but you're not satisfied with where you're at? You have higher expectation of yourself and you also know that others have higher expectations of you as well. Okay, so I'm going to get into mindset on this a little bit to start briefly. Um, Whatever, I curse. I'm going to say it. Pardon my French. Pardon my French. I'm going to curse. I don't give a fuck what other people's expectations are of me, if that makes sense. I'm just going to put that out there, okay? Okay. I have expectations on myself and those matter. Those expectations on myself are like integrity, work ethic, right? Um, Commitment, follow through and all those kinds of things. So I don't care about what other people's expectations are of me per se, because I have high expectations of myself and like I have integrity with myself that and not what I will say is like, there may be a time in that circumstance where maybe you're working with a coach and obviously you have to have a mutual respect with your coach because you have placed expectations on yourself and the coach's job is to help you achieve those expectations on yourself. So they have expectations of you and there's a mutual respect that takes place. But like, unless it's in situations like that, I don't give a shit what other people think of me per se. I would say that way, right? It's a good motivator in the right situation as long as it's a respectful environment. So like a coach-client interaction, for example, is a respectful environment where like those expectations are respectful 
caring expectations as opposed to maybe like feeling like somebody's demanding things of you, if that makes sense. Not to say that's the case, but I, everybody knows I go off on tangents. Okay. So place expectations upon yourself and that's what matters most. And if you want to leverage other people holding you accountable to those expectations, like a coach, then that's a healthy way to do it. But don't get yourself caught up in so-and-so wants me to be skinnier. So-and-so wants me to be more muscular. I don't know. My friend Jane is so jacked and I don't feel as though that like when I'm around her, I feel inferior around her because she's so jacked. And I feel like I need to live up the expectations of what she does and things like that. I just say like, forget that. Right. The only time to care about what others expectations are of you in a physical situation is when you have expectations of yourself and you've asked somebody to help you accomplish those expectations and create some respectful accountability. Okay. Now, now that I got that out of the way, I'm going to say as well, when you are at a plateau, then you have to look at what are you doing and what are ways to get to the next level. So the only way for you to get where you want to be is to go to places you aren't going to in your training and nutrition. Okay. Does that mean you need to lower calories? Maybe. Does that mean that you need to increase your step count? Maybe. Does that mean you need to increase your water? Maybe. Does that mean that you need to work out more intent with more intention and more like have in intense workouts? Maybe your workouts are lackluster. Does that mean that maybe you should work out more often? Does that mean that you're not sleeping enough? Um, does it mean that you're not tracking your food and you're just eating healthy per se? And maybe you need to start tracking your food and following a specific meal plan. Does that mean that you have some stress in your life that you need to let go of or remove yourself from? Maybe you have stress in your life that you can't let yourself go of at the moment. And you need to accept that maybe right now is a time of maintenance for you, right? Those are things that I would personally look at. And like, those are questions I would ask if you were a client, right? questions I would either ask you or questions that I would ask myself when looking at your programming, looking at what you're doing now and being like, what are the dials that I can play? What are the cards that I can play? If anybody's ever played Euchre here, getting to your fitness goals is a game of Euchre. I need to do a podcast episode called this, right? Getting to your fitness goals is a game of Euchre. Okay. So another thing to consider when you're getting to your fitness goals is like, if you have when you're playing Euchre, for those who've never played it before, you have cards that are the most powerful cards based on the suit in the card game. And then you have cards that are least powerful. The higher the card is, the more powerful the card is. Obviously, it wins that hand. You might have the most powerful card in that game. If you come out with that most powerful card and you throw it on the table, you might win that first hand. But then everybody else is going to intelligently throw their lowest card possible because they know they've lost that hand at you. And then you might lose the next hand and you might lose the next hand because you played too much at the beginning. So that's another thing to consider 
you want to play the weakest card. You want to leverage the least amount of change to elicit the most amount of change so that when you hit a plateau, you can leverage another small change to get to the next step, to get to the next stage, right? That's how I personally look at it. And those are the things that I would consider sleep, calories, also your macros. Maybe you need to change your macro split up, water, step count. Are you doing cardio? If you're not doing cardio, maybe you need to add some cardio. If you are doing cardio, maybe you need to add five minutes a day. Maybe you need to add 10 minutes one day. Little leverage, little dials that you leverage, right? Stress. Um, And then also like things like, have you been in a caloric deficit for a really long extended period of time? And you need to have yourself at maintenance for a little bit. Hence, the luxury lifestyle allowance has people at maintenance one day per week as opposed to being in a caloric deficit like for extenuated periods of time because your metabolism will slow down. So that's stuff that I would look at. And uh, to put it there too, like just because I was like, I don't give a F about like what other people think or their expectations are of me. I don't want that to come off as though like anything other than like just always um, value yourself and don't have, don't let the weight of expectations of others make you feel like you're not succeeding. If that makes sense. Okay. You can let the weight of your own expectations make you feel like you're not exceeding because that's healthy drive. Um, but I just wanted to put that out there. That's how I look at things anyways. I don't want you to feel as though I'm like calling you out or anything like that. It's just like place expectations of yourself on yourself. Right. Um, and forget about the expectations of others, especially if they're unreasonable. Um, all right, that's it. Everybody, everybody find this useful. If you found this useful comment useful, if you're listening to this on the podcast after the fact, please leave me a five-star review. That would totally help a lot. Share this to your story. Let's get all the information out that we give out in the Q&As. Thanks to everybody for all the questions that you asked in the Q&As. I love doing these. I love providing you with value and help, even though sometimes I go off on tangents. Uh, it's kind of weird because I'm like talking to myself, right? So you can go off on tangents. Obviously, when I'm coaching clients, it's a more back and forth kind of thing, right? Okay, everybody have the best day ever. Have the best holidays ever. Um, yeah and get after it. Okay. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode valuable, please give me a five-star review and share it on your social media so I can have an even bigger impact. And if you want more information on how I can help you lose 15 to 52 pounds of body fat in 12 weeks, send me a message that says coaching to my Instagram at Tom the Trainer Fitness.